Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Last week, I started a church-wide conversation about the next season of life and ministry mission in our churches called Mission One. For the last over a decade, we've been talking about the 2020 vision, but y'all know it's about 2022 now. And so the Mission One is that which will allow us to talk about mission and the effectiveness in the, in, in the year's uh, future for us. Uh, it's my honor today to be able to, uh, before I preach, uh, just welcome uh, Pastor Benji Loquius. I just want him to greet the congregation. Pastor Benji has been one of our partners, uh, and Pastor Benji's a church planter and trainer in the Philippines. Uh, Pastor Benji is one of the greatest men of God that I know. I don't know anybody with his courage. I don't know anybody with his kind of effectiveness. Pastor Benji, it's, it's all the Lord. I know it's the power of the Lord, but Pastor Benji is just one of the greatest men that I know. Uh, I often think of him. Uh, Pastor Benji literally lays his life on the line every single day for the sake of the Lord. Uh, pastors in the Philippines are killed in the pulpit uh, routinely. Uh, Pastor Benji continues to raise up pastors to train them uh, with the same kind of courage. And Pastor Benji himself does exactly what I do, only he does it in a very, very hard place. And I do it in a very, very easy place. So I am humbled, uh, but pleased to welcome him. Pastor Benji is just going to bring greetings to our congregation tonight at 6. He will speak longer and he'll speak to my small group. And anybody else who wants to come at 6 tonight, you need to come hear this man. Pastor Benji is just an amazing man, and, and he will absolutely inspire you to live better uh, for Christ. But, but right now, can we just show some honor to a man who deserves honor? This is uh, Pastor Benji Loquius. Come, Pastor Benji. Come on up. Yeah. Say a few words. God bless you, brother. Oh, God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Tim. Hello, everyone. I bring greetings to you from our country, and especially from Southern Island, uh, Mindanao. And uh, I, thank, I thank God so much for, for uh, the partnership that God has given to us. Uh, between uh, Woodburn Baptist Church and uh, uh, when I come back to the Philippines three, three years ago, I speak to our uh, group of pastors and teams and I told them that the Lord has given us a, a partner that has a vision to plant more churches here. And uh, I told them about Woodburn and I told them about praying for Woodburn Baptist Church and I believe one day they will send a they will send a, a representative here and uh, February of 2019, I think, first uh, they arrived there, Pastor uh, Warren, Martha, and uh, Brother Don. And uh, I told them, I told them that uh, we will pray that the, the wood will keep on burning at Woodburn Baptist Church yes. in, in and I, I give them the assurance, Pastor, that as long as there is wood, there will be fire. Yes. <laughs> and uh, praise God for that. Uh, the vision that God has given to Pastor Tim was uh, uh, reach, reaching the world for Christ. It, that is our mission to, and, and to accomplish it, make it easy when, when God bless you with a team, when God gave you partners. And I thank you so much. I, all glory belongs to God. With the churches that we have planted, the Woodburn, 
I challenge you to be to to have the opportunity. Uh, maybe when God opens the door to, for you to see your daughter church is there, the Woodburn Central Baptist Church in Southern Mindanao. When it comes to numbers among these churches, we have baptized more than 100 souls. And in just three years, by the grace of God, the, uh, to add all of these, the membership will run from 400 to 600 uh, to these churches. And uh, the church that was hit by a, by a tree that, was, that a strong storm had passed, the Woodburn Baptist Church there, I already told the pastor, Pastor uh, Rufino, I said, I think it's about time to to extend and expand the church because you see mothers, father, children keep coming and we have nowhere to put them. Said, okay, pastor, I think we will, we will, uh, uh, because we manually cut uh, the, the, the coconut tree and make it a lumber. And it did not happen until, uh, until I come here. Now, when I am here, they said the news that the church was hit by a strong, but strong coconut tree, uprooted and hit the building. And I said, I said, I think, Lord, it's time to expand because you you destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that coconut tree, uh, that coconut tree will become a lumber, and there will be more coconut that will be cutting. And I thank you for your help. You send funds to repair and resize the building of that church and god bless you everyone i hope to see you tonight and i will have more to share thank you pastor tim thank you, thank you pastor thank you. i like that repair and resize the building that's pretty good um thank you brother i pray for your protection every day god bless you open your bibles to second corinthians chapter five let's talk about what god's called us to do if there, was a, uh, any, if there was a downside to the 2020 vision, it was just simply that so many of you didn't know how to plug into that. It was a vision for planting churches, which God laid upon our hearts and which God powerfully and graciously allowed us to accomplish. But so many of you spent those years saying, well, I don't know how to plug into that. I'm not a church planter. I don't feel called to go. Uh, I don't know how I find my place in that. Uh, that's where mission one is going to become very, very different for you. Uh, by the end of today, by the end of this sermon, uh, if I do it right, uh, you're going to know exactly where you plug into this thing. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. Let's read together. Words of Paul. Uh, you should know that as the Lord uh, laid the mission one uh, vision on my heart, a lot of it came from this passage. And uh, in staff meeting recently, our staff, our whole staff, we dug through this passage together, going after just the phrases, the single words that jump out. Uh, there are phrases that terrify me. There are phrases that inspire me. There are phrases that move my heart to tears. It's amazing. Uh, this is a great passage, and it says a lot about who we are as a church and who we are in Christ together. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. We'll start there. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord. Okay, I'm not going to do this the whole time, but let me just stop right there. Fearful responsibility. Those are very important words, and that, that is gigantic, and we're talking about your life. You and I have a fearful responsibility to the Lord. Because of this, we work hard. See, I can do it again. I'll, I'll be the last time I'll do it, but work hard. You see that? Work hard. We have this fearful responsibility that, that causes us to work hard. 
See, as your pastor, I love you. I'm speaking of myself and all of us together, but I just don't see us working that hard. And, and, and this is why missing one is so heavy on my heart. I'll read and not preach. Here we go. Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are, are, we, are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we're giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, but how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Uh, a guy named Mark, he's a fine pastor, good pastor. Uh, he's one of the best. Um, he'd gone to a church that was very established. It had been there a long time. Um, and for most of that church's history, they've been faithful in a lot of ways, but uh, they'd never really seen God move in, in any way that, that was dramatic, you know. They'd never seen a lot of people saved ever. The church had just always sort of held on, but, but all that changed. Uh, it wasn't so much Pastor Mark, it's just Pastor Mark began to preach the gospel and encourage the people to preach the gospel. They started trying to reach the community, and uh, because of their obedience, God just began to bless them again. Like never before in their history, God just began to bless them. It was beautiful. So many people were coming in. So many people were getting saved. So many families restored. So many uh, people set free from sin and all kinds of struggle. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And then one day, a group from the church asked if they could meet with Pastor Mark. So he met with them one night. Uh, he had a feeling that they probably had some concerns, some frustrations. The church had changed a lot really pretty quickly because of what God was doing. And anyway, it was the meeting with some church folks, and they just sort of started. And it, was, it became a really hard meeting um, because mostly they wanted to just sort of gripe, you know. People began to complain about things like uh, literally uh, n n no good parking places. You know, when they would get to church, there weren't good parking places. People would complain because they would come in and, and somebody would be sitting in their pew 
Just to be clear, y'all, ain't none of y'all got a pew. I mean, you know, this is open seating. Um, but you sit in the same seat for years and you begin to think of it as yours. And, and they complained that people were sitting in, in their seats. They began to complain. They said that Pastor Mark's sermons were soft, but that the toilet paper in the ladies' restroom was not soft. Seriously, they mentioned toilet paper as something that really wasn't acceptable anymore. And, and on and on they went, just this gripe session. So, so Pastor Mark tried to bring it back in. He just tried to remind them of why they were doing, why things were changing and why that was important. And, and he just said, you know, just remember that last Sunday there were, there were two adult women, their sisters, two adult sisters who, who both had their lives radically transformed by Christ. They, they made decisions to follow Jesus and we baptized them last Sunday. You, you saw that. You see what God is doing. And then Mark said a man stood up in the back, and he stood up, and his face was red, angry. And he just stood up, and he began to just shout, and he said, Pastor Mark, that's what we're trying to tell you. We're tired of all these dad burn new people coming in and messing up the way we always have liked to do church. That's what he said. Dad burned new people coming in, messing up the way we always like to do church. And so, Pastor Mark just said, he, it's like he felt the oxygen leave his lungs. I mean, just breathless for a moment. But he thought somebody in the room would probably speak. Somebody's going to answer that because what that man said would be the most contrary to the gospel sort of thing that anybody could ever say. So the man said, you know, dad burned new people. And, and Pastor Mark thought somebody would answer. But instead, Mark said the whole room applauded with, you know, with, it exploded with applause. People were applauding that. Pastor Mark said it was lowest point ever for that church. Now, when I, when I told you that story and I got to the, you know, what the guy said, it's, it's funny because a lot of you were like, like, you know, some of you laughed out loud because you think that's so ridiculous. But others of you were like, that's, that's terrible. That's terrible. And I will say it's terrible, terrible that that could be said in a church of Jesus Christ. That's terrible. But at the same time, I just want to ask you, what, what's your response going to be if, if Christ were to start doing that kind of work here? I'm, I'm being serious. How will you respond when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit comes in and disturbs the way you have always enjoyed doing church? How's that going to be for us? Because I really do believe that Christ is about to open up Woodburn Baptist Church as a rescue mission for, for South Warren County. And I'm just wondering how we're going to handle that when, when there's a fire of mission lit underneath our congregation. I really believe God wants to do it, and I believe it's about to happen. I'm just wondering where you're going to be in all of this. Now, the answer as far as where you're going to be is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 because Paul explains exactly where you should be in that sort of thing. And, and it's really beautiful and, and it's really pretty amazing. Now, according to mission one, we're going to do whatever it takes to carry the gospel every day to everybody everywhere. That's, that's mission one in a nutshell. Our church is going to recover. There's nothing new about this. This has always been what we said we were going to do. We've always understood that this is what Christ has called us to do. We know the Great Commission. 
It's not that this is news to us. It's just I would say in certain seasons of our histories, of our church's history and life, I'm not sure that we've always actually walked in the way that, that Christ would have us to walk. I'm not sure we've necessarily been on mission even though we were given a great commission. I think our faithfulness has, has sometimes risen, sometimes fallen, and for the most part, there are very, very few episodes in our church's story when we could say that the church was united in doing whatever it takes to carry the gospel every day to everybody everywhere. Now, it's the we part that gets us, because when I say we, I don't mean like other people. Pastor Benji is amazing, and he does his part to fulfill the Great Commission, and his part is amazing. But what I want us to consider is your part. What is your part? What we have to get to is a realization that all of us are missionaries. I'm a missionary. You're a missionary. Now, you've always thought that a missionary had to get on an airplane or a ship and go somewhere far away. But guess what? I mean, you're there. You're there. You are where your feet are, and where your feet are is exactly where God has placed you. And you are a missionary, which is to say you are missionally placed. Missionally placed. I mean that to say that the place where God has you, there's a design to it. There's no accidents. Now, you probably sometimes thought that you just are where you are because of, you know, weird chance. You know, you didn't choose to be born here. You didn't choose to be born to your parents. You had no choice in the matter. And, I, and I'm with you. You didn't choose any of that. Now, some things about you, you did choose. You have chosen your spouse. You've chosen to work where you work. You've chosen the neighborhood you live in. Some of those seem like your choices, but I just want you to understand you put all these factors together and it doesn't change the fact. It only underlines the fact that you are missionally placed by God. No accident. You are where you are because God has a great commission purpose for you. No plane ticket necessary. You're going to work tomorrow. You're a missionary there. God has you there. God has the people around you there. God has placed you there because you have a mission. You understand me? Are you with me? You are a missionary. Same as anybody else who's ever been called a missionary, you and I are missionally placed by God. Now, Paul gets to that in verse 14 when he's talking about his own mind. And he says, first off, some people are going to think I'm crazy. He says it. If it looks like I'm crazy, it's to bring glory to God. If, if I'm in my right mind, it's for your benefit. Either way, Paul says, Christ's love controls me. Christ's love controls me. So Paul is fully aware of the fact that some people look at his life and think, that man is crazy. He's crazy to do what he does, to, to, to sacrifice what he sacrifices, to preach what he preaches. That man is crazy. Paul says, I might be. I might be. If I am crazy, though, it's for the glory of God. And if I'm sane, hopefully that's going to help some people. But it really doesn't matter. Either way, Christ's love compels me. Understand, Paul's life is controlled by the love of Jesus. Paul says, I don't care if you think I'm crazy. What you have to understand is I do everything I do and, and, and because Jesus is the reason. Christ's love is the reason. Now, keep taking it right on down to your life. The cross leads you to a life that has no explanation apart from the love of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? 
Your life is just like Paul's life, just like my life. We live in every single way a life that's for Christ and explainable only with reference to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? If your life is explainable, just, you know, in ordinary terms, like you're just living the American dream, you know, where you're just sort of born and you go to school, you get an education, you do well in school, you play sports maybe, and then eventually you graduate, you, you go find a job or maybe you continue education, you, you graduate again, you find a spouse, you have children, you try to live in a nice house and, and retire comfortably. I mean, that's the American dream, and there's no explanation necessary. We all get that. That's just what people do. But Paul says, when it comes to what I do, I don't do what people do. I do what Christ's love compels me to do. Do you understand the difference? And that's why Paul says, I know some people think I'm crazy. Whether I'm crazy or not, it's Christ's love that compels me. Christ's love controls me. See, my fear for our church is the most everything we do around here is completely explainable without any reference to Christ or the power of Jesus or the intervention of the Holy Spirit. I mean, there's just a whole lot that you could just say is just human, normal, natural. And, and this is a problem for us. It's Christ's love that controls us. When's the last time you tried to explain a decision that you made and the only way to explain it was, listen, I just did that because I think Christ called me to do it. The last time the only reason you did anything was because Jesus told you to do it. Paul says it's Christ's love that compels me. As Baptists through the years, all my life, you know, at Christmas time we talk about a woman named Lottie Moon. If you're not Baptist and this might be a, a, a person you don't know, let me tell you Lottie Moon's story. She was Charlotte Diggs Moon. Her name was Charlotte, but they called her Lottie. She was 32. She got on a ship and she sailed off for China. Missionary. Now, before that, understand, Lottie was born to a very wealthy family, southern family. She was extremely well-educated. Right before she left, a young man whom she loved and who really loved her proposed marriage to her. He never stopped loving her, but she said, I can't marry you because God had another plan for her life. She said no to the proposal. She said no to the job that she had, and she said yes to a life in China. Do you know why? There's only one explanation. It's because Lottie... Being a Southern Baptist girl, heard stories about the people of China who did not know Christ in, in large numbers, a nation of people that didn't know Jesus. And Lottie could not be comfortable living her life of wealth and education and comfort in the South, knowing that there were people in China who didn't even know the name of Jesus. And so with no other explanation than this, Christ's love controlled her and she left everything and went to China. And so Lottie Moon went to China as, as a missionary. That's probably a fact that you know. What you don't understand is how hard it was for her. The Chinese people at first called her a devil, didn't understand her or why she would have come. So she just started living like one of them. She just became, a, she became Chinese in every way that she could. She dressed, she ate, she spoke, and she lived with these people that she loved with her whole heart. She'd give up everything to see him come to Jesus. She moved deep into the heart of China where missionaries had never gone by herself. 
There was no one else. Now, I say she had a hard time. A lot of her hard time had to do with people back home. Like, y'all know Baptists at home? Um, the Baptists back home, I know now, it's Lottie Moon. We all love Lottie Moon. In her day, she was very controversial because Baptists weren't so sure she wasn't out there preaching. A woman preacher, that was a concern. What if she's preaching? And there was quite a controversy then, and to this day, that controversy continues. Are we, are we lifting up a woman preacher here? Did she go preach? I don't care what you call it. She shared Jesus in a place where nobody else was sharing Jesus. And Lottie Moon herself at one point says she really struggled with trying to understand how Jesus would call hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Baptist preachers in just the state of Virginia and send one woman to China. And while we're at it, all the people who wanted to say, you know, hey, she's preaching, you know, all the people that were really disturbed by that, they were never disturbed enough to go and take her place. Do you understand? And so she just lived her life for Jesus. And there's no explanation for it. There's no other way. You can't explain Lottie Moon without talking about Jesus. You can't tell her story without telling the story of Jesus. So she starved. She was dying of starvation because there was a famine and the people she served were dying. There was no food. Now she was, of course, an American and she had access to resources from the United States and people sent her money and people sent her resources, but she gave it all away because, because that's what Jesus would do. She shared it. And silently and quietly and slowly, she was starving. Those who knew of her condition began begging her to come home, just come home, get medical care, you know, come home. And she would not do it. 39 years she spent in China. She would not walk, she would not come home. Finally, they got her on a ship. She was tiny, she was starving. She never made it home. Lottie Moon died on the ship, 1912, on Christmas Eve. She died of starvation. Now, we honor her every year, you know, by, by giving an offering to missions and telling her story. And, and we'll collect an offering next week. Of course, we will. Everything requires money. But if you really want to honor Jesus, and if you really want to honor a woman who loves Jesus like that, you can give your money, but something tells me if you really want to honor, if you really want to honor Jesus and Lottie Moon, then you'd go and you tell somebody. I mean, you know, is there any other way you know, to somehow respect her legacy and honor the mission that Christ has sent us all on? You, you'd go, you would tell somebody because is your life not somehow controlled by Jesus' love, because if it's not, you just got to wonder, what in the world is controlling you? If the decisions you make aren't decisions that you've made because you know what Jesus is calling you to do, then what in the world are you making your decisions based on? What is it that controls your life? Because if you're not on mission for Jesus, I'm telling you, it's not Jesus. If in your life you're never disturbed enough by the losses of people around you, if you can just stand by 
while entire nations of people die and never hear the name of Jesus, if you can just be comfortable with the fact that you've got grandchildren that, that are going to hell, I mean, that doesn't bother you. You're more interested in seeing that they get on the, on the right you know, travel ball team than you are to see that they get into heaven. And I'm telling you, that just tells me that there's something dead inside your heart. No concern, no compulsion. The Christ love doesn't seem to compel us at all. According to Paul, according to this passage, Christ's love on the cross leaves you and me no other option than to live for him and not for ourselves. Can we just be honest enough to say we do most everything for ourselves? How will it affect me? How will it help me? Even when it comes to church, you know, we just want things to be about us. We want it to be comfortable for us, the kind of music that we enjoy, everything just sort of around us. We want things for our kids, and all our kids have a best friend and all. I mean, you know, and Paul says exactly the opposite. Paul says, since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves Instead, they'll live for Christ who died and was raised for them. You don't live for yourself. You live for Christ. So, so quickly, four things, four things that the gospel brings us according to Paul, according to this passage. Number one, you no longer see others in a human worldly way. Now see, because of your experience with Christ, because of what he's done for you, you can't possibly look at other people the same way. You've got new eyes now because you see things through a gospel lens. And what the gospel says is there is nobody so far from God that they can't be brought home. There's no one so far away from God that, that through Jesus they can't be brought back, brought back into the family. Do you understand that the gospel is a gospel of transformation? Paul says right here, verse 17, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old things, the old life, the old you has passed away. Everything is made new. It's transformation. Now, if you've experienced that, if you know that story and you understand what Christ can do, then I don't think I would have any trouble trying to get you to get excited about telling that news to somebody else. There's a world full of people who need that good news. They need to know that change is possible. The problem is, some, even though Paul says this is how we're supposed to be, the fact is we're not off in the way Scripture says we're supposed to be. I mean, in church, I've heard people say, yeah, you know, I need to waste your time with that old boy. He ain't ever going to change. I mean, I've heard people say that to me in church. He ain't never going to change. I've heard people say, yeah, I knew her mama and I knew her grandma and she just like him. I tell you, that girl ain't never going to change. Okay. Anytime those words come out of your mouth, it, it, you know, they're never going to change. Understand how very contradictory the gospel your mindset is. Because the gospel says anyone, anyone who comes to Christ is a new creation. All things are passed away. Jesus does this really, really well, and he does it for everybody who comes to him. So we don't look at anybody and say, yeah, they can't change that. That situation ain't ever going to be any better. Yeah, ain't no hope for that neighborhood. You understand? No, no, no. You and I don't see things that way. We see everything through a gospel lens, everything through the power and possibility that comes to Christ. You see, your life is transformed by the unlimited power and possibility of Jesus. Now, I say that assuming that since you claim to be a Christian, You've experienced this. 
In other words, you've got a story to tell and you would say, you know, I used to be this kind of person. This is how I lived my life. But then I met Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus. And Jesus came into my heart. Jesus forgave my sins. And Jesus completely changed me. So now my life is like this. You see, there's a before and there's an after. And the thing that makes the difference is Jesus. Everyone who comes to Christ has some kind of story like that. Now, if you have no story of Jesus ever making a difference in your life, then I really would ask you to consider what it is that makes you call yourself a Christian. If you have no story of actual conversion, no transformation to point to, then I really want, I'm serious, I want you to consider, do you actually know Jesus? Have you ever actually surrendered your life to him? Because this is what happens. And when this happens, according to Paul in this passage, God reconciles you to himself through Christ. There is a whole new relationship that, that you can speak of in, in relation to you and God. And God does it all. You didn't have any part in this other than just simply saying, I want it. Yes, I want Jesus. He does everything. Paul says, verse 21, God made Christ. God, God took the one who knew no sin. Jesus had never sinned. And Jesus becomes sin itself so that you can be made with the righteousness of God. It's not just that there's a reconciliation. I know this word for you, you're just thinking about like when you were a kid and your mama, you and your sister were getting a fight and your mama would say, okay, y'all kiss and make up. And you kiss your sister. You know, or like when somebody says, okay, you say you're sorry, and you both just go, sorry. You know, like reconciliation, you think of just something like that, just this little repair of a relationship. But what is described here is a radical reconciliation. It's not just that Jesus takes your sin away. Jesus removes your sin, and then he gives to you all of his righteousness. It's you trade places with Jesus. It's amazing. He who knew no sin became sin itself so that you could be you know, seen with the righteousness of Christ. He traded places with you. This reconciliation is amazing. You have a completely new relationship with the God who made you. Nothing can be the same. And with that, understand, you now have this opportunity to spread the message. See, this, this is when all y'all start looking at the floor now. Nobody wants to talk about this. Notice when Paul describes it, verse 18. This is all a gift from God. He says, we have this, God gave us this wonderful message. It's an opportunity, he says. But when I tell you that you're a missionary... Not all of us respond as if we've been given this wonderful opportunity. Be honest, some of you called yourself a Christian for years and you've never even tried to tell another soul about Jesus. You see, this is just what believers do. Not just certain believers who, who stand on a pulpit or those who go overseas. No, no, no. This is just what believers do. You are a missionary. If Jesus has done this work in your life, I don't understand what would have to be dead in your heart for you not want to tell somebody else. I, I, I read this long list of, of funerals I've done in the past year. And 
I bet in every single funeral, somebody came up, because somebody always will say it. Somebody will say, Pastor Tim, I don't, know how, I don't know how people do it without Jesus. I don't know how people get through things without Jesus. I don't, I don't know how they do it, which I appreciate that, that sentiment. I really, really do. The problem is, you know the difference Jesus makes. And you know that there are people out there who try to live their lives without Jesus. And you know that somebody needs to tell them, but you don't tell them. It's not enough to wag your head and say, I don't understand how some people live without Jesus. Do you understand if you care, if, if Christ's love controls you at all, I think you'll tell somebody. We don't see the world through human eyes, Paul says. We don't see people in a natural way. We, we see eternity because we know we know that people matter because eternity matters. It really matters where people will spend this life after death. It matters if they go to heaven or hell. It really matters. Which means there really are people living out there without Jesus. And somebody needs to tell them. And you just need to understand you are that somebody. Somebody needs to tell them, and that somebody is you. But pray with me. God, it is your word that has been preached. This is your church. We are your people. And it is your love that controls us. So, Lord Jesus, I pray that somehow, one way or the other, our lives would, would begin to align with these truths. If it is your love that controls us, then, Lord Jesus, why is it that our feet never seem to go in the, in our, feet, our feet never seem to travel in the direction of the places where people don't know about your love? If, if it's your love that controls us, Lord, it's something of a mystery that we never seem uh, ever in the course of a week, in the course of a month, in the course of our lives, we never ever actually seem compelled to share what you can do with another human being, Lord. Uh, we don't know our neighbors. We never cross the street and knock on a single door. And, and yet somehow, Lord, we understand that we are missionaries, missionally placed. Somehow, Lord, we understand that somebody's got to tell them and we might be that somebody, but Lord Jesus, day by day by day, we don't tell them. Lord, I pray that you would stir our church, that you would light a fire beneath us, Lord, that there would be somehow wood burning at Woodburn so that our community, our neighbors, our family, Lord, so that those who cross paths with us will be able to hear the message of Jesus and the simple invitation to come back to God. Oh, Lord, if somebody needs to tell them, Lord, help us to understand that we are, we are those missionaries. Send us out. Make us faithful to love the world. We pray these things in the name of Jesus for the sake of the world.